Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Halfway through, as we've already done the AFC and NFC East, on to the NFC North, where, um, as always, Dylan, there is uh, an interesting group of teams here. Not quite the gauntlet uh, that maybe it was at, at one point, uh, but seems to be a two-team race. Uh, I don't know. That's not going to shock anyone. Um, that is seemingly been the, the trajectory this thing is headed in, but. Looking at this division overall, and we'll go through the, the ceiling and the floor for each team, pick our division MVP, breakout player, and fantasy MVP. But just as a general overview, um, I think you've got Packers, Vikings, and, well, whatever you got with the Bears and the Lions seems to be the, the way to look at the NFC North ending of the season. And it's been that way outside of, I know the Bears in 2018 went 12-4, won that division title. But overall, this has been a Packers-Vikings-led division for a little while. The lines have peaked through for a few times in the playoffs with Stafford, obviously. But uh, it's kind of been the things of ro- how things have rolled in this division for as long as I've really been a big fan of football. So uh, not too much different there. I mean, they're, I think the hype train for the Lions is off maybe a little too crazy right now with all the, the clips coming out, the pre-clips of Hard Knocks premiering tonight. Um, by the time you listen to this, the first episode will be out, so maybe you'll have seen it. But yeah, a lot of I, I think there are things in, uh, to be optimistic for the for the Lions. I'd feel like if I was a Lions fan versus a Bears fan just right now, um, I'd feel a little bit better about the, the direction that Detroit's going and some of the things they have started to build as a foundation. I mean, the, the Bears may have the one question answered potentially that the Lions don't at quarterback, but uh, for the long term, that's still maybe out uh, to be to, to be determined. I don't think you'd. You'd say last year or this year that Justin Fields had the fairest chance to show what he really has. But, yeah, like you said, it's a two-team. At the end of the day, it's going to be like we all have been for a while, even though the Packers, you know, one of the first teams, I believe, to win 13 or more games in each year. I think they won 13 13 or more games the last three seasons, over a three-year span the last three years. Uh, It's crazy that they haven't had all all those opportunities. Made a Super Bowl, obviously, a couple NFC title game losses, the divisional game loss last year. They've been right on the cusp. Um, and the Vikings, though, new coach. And, yeah, this should be a fun division. I think uh, maybe a little more energy for the Vikings. A little, you know, sometimes you get that little boost of having the, the change in the coaching staff. Uh, uh, I'm not saying that we're going to see a uh, Sean McVay-esque rise. It's not like the Vikings were down in the depths that the Rams used to be before he got there. But Kevin O'Connell definitely, maybe, you know, not to take anything away. Obviously, Mike Zimmer, great defensive mind, did a lot of good things in Minnesota. But Kevin O'Connell, just in terms of his – whole attitude maybe a little lighter mood there in minnesota right now um maybe more positivity in some of the <laughs> some of the practices so yeah it should be 
fun division and two really teams at the top that I think uh, both expect and should um, in an NFC that isn't as deep, in my opinion, as we've talked about as the AFC. I think both these teams should be playoff teams. I'll, I'll, we'll see, I guess, when I do my final predictions. But I think at least at the at this moment, I'm, I'm thinking that they're both going to be um, envisioning playoff appearances. The Vikings, especially a team that last year, I mean, they just had bad luck in one-score games. They're, they're a team that really believes they're much better than their record indicated. Yeah, I think so too. And, you know, we kind of talk about how things can change season to season. Some of those games um, that are close and a couple plays here, there, and kind of changes your your whole season. But uh, let's jump in because we start with the Green Bay Packers, who have the highest projected win total at 10.5. As always, we'll talk about kind of the ceiling and the floor and whether we'd go over and under, over under on this number. Packers 10.5, they have the highest. No surprise there. you know, I think uh, certainly everyone will be talking about uh, the offense without Devontae Adams and what that looks like for Aaron Rodgers. Um, still having a, a really good running back duo of Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, but having a group of wide receivers that, for the most part, um, half of that group is still kind of unproven yeah. uh, in terms of what they can bring to the table. But as we always know, he, Aaron Rodgers seems to find a way to elevate guys around him. He'll need to do that with a sort of a, a unit of Alan Lazard, uh, Randall Cobb, and Sammy Watkins. That's a, it's an interesting trio there. But then behind it, you know, you've got a Christian Watson who could be on the rise. You've got some other weapons to work with there. So that's certainly one of the things. Of course, Robert uh, Tanya tied in. Yeah. But that's something that will, you know, all the conversation will be about. Also, Packers went out and picked up a couple of Georgia guys uh, to add to their, <laughs> their defensive unit. So, that's usually a good thing uh, when you consider kind of uh, what they accomplished in college. But, um, you know, so, so I think it's it's certainly there – are, there are more questions for this Packers team just because of the exit of Devontae Adams and maybe what the offense looks like. We know there have been, you know, issues with Aaron Rodgers and all that and kind of the talk of that and what's happened there in recent years. So there's a lot of interesting dynamics around this team. But if we're looking at that win total, 10.5 – um, you know, when you consider who they're going to play here, they're going to play the AFC East, and yeah. I think it is the NFC East. Is that right? Yeah, that's AFC correct. East and yeah, NFC East. Looks like yeah. They got so, Dallas, yeah. yeah, so those are the two uh, divisions, which, you know, get the Patriots at home, go to Buffalo. Um, they've, of course, got to go to, to Tampa as part of, you know, one of the games outside of that scheduling slates uh they get the cowboys at home they get the titans at home they get the rams at home yeah um so that works and i think in the favor of the packers here so at 10 and a half it's it's a little interesting just because of the offensive dynamic but i think i like the range of i don't know if i've given anybody over 12 to this point i don't think i have so i'm gonna i'm gonna stay with 12 on this and maybe <laughs> i'm i'm not really looking for an undefeated season for anyone but i might stay at 12 Although I look at this schedule, man, and I'm like, I'm actually going to go to 13 for the Packers. I, I think there's the potential for them to get there. So I might go 13 here for them. Um, you know, worst case scenario. I mean, look, and we always say this, right? Like worst case scenario, Aaron Rodgers gets hurt and Packers win seven games or something. But I don't think that's what we can sort of factor in. If we're saying, you know, barring a, a huge injury to the yeah. best player, um, ten and a half. I mean, like I don't, I can't go lower than ten to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. So I think this is this is like the first maybe uh, for anyone. Although maybe the Bills we had kind of high. I'll go ten to thirteen for the Packers. I, I I think this nucleus is still there for them to have a lot of success. It's just 
there are a little bit maybe more questions than, than there have been in, in recent years. So. Yeah, definitely more uncertainty. Obviously, losing the top receiver in the league and, and trading him away just changes a lot of – I mean, he meshed so well with Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, he's one of the best – If maybe when we said he's the best receiver, but if he's not the best receiver in the NFL, he's one of the top three. And it's, it's, it's that in addition to his skill set just and how they saw the game matching up so perfectly – but obviously, it's still Aaron Rodgers. Like you said, he has elevated a lot of guys in his career. Um, a lot of guys, if they leave Green Bay and then come back, uh, you see the kind of production they can have. So, at the, I mean, he's a two, has one back-to-back MVPs. I mean, he, at the end of, yeah, it's just, I can't, like you just said. At first, I was like, maybe nine and eight is my absolute lowest. But I think 10 wins probably is just because you have Aaron Rodgers. You don't have a schedule that's insanely tough, kind of supposed to be middle of the pack in terms of strength of schedule, which is similar to, w- to what it was last year. Um, get those two games against the Bears. <laughs> that, that always helps. And you, you think the Lions, but we'll see about that as we talk about them and how the season progresses. But yeah, I, I mean, I've been, we've talked about the Packers a few times this offseason. I've been high on what their defense might be able to do. I don't know, maybe I've been a little too high on them taking a bigger jump because of what we saw from them in the in that playoff game and just down the course of the season at certain points. I think their secondary when healthy is pretty dang solid. I think if Eric Stokes takes another step up, I mean, obviously we know what Jerry Alexander can do. Being able to keep uh, Russell Douglas was pretty big this offseason, and I think they have a pretty good safety combination there um, in Amos and Savage. So, yeah, I, you know, I feel pretty pretty good about that group and overall what the defense might be able to do, like you mentioned with, with Wyatt and uh, Walker coming in and some of the other uh, guys that they drafted. Obviously, you know, during the draft, a lot was made of them not getting that receiver until they took Christian Watson on day two, but after the first round with those two picks, um, you know, uh, you still felt like that was going to, bolster up this defense that felt like it was on the precipice of being pretty good they bring in Barry from the Rams and kind of implemented that Staley scheme and it took a little maybe a little time to adjust but I think they started really clamping down down the stretch of the season last year so maybe I'm a little optimistic most of the metrics I've seen in projected DVOA and things like that don't have them being like a top 10 defense but if they're even uh, if they can jump up a little bit toward that top like 13 14 range that might help with the possible regression slightly um, on offense. Obviously, excited to see what Christian Watson can do. Obviously, Romeo Dobbs has made tons of headlines. All If you're on, on Twitter following along the training camp, I mean, it's it's constant praise, and constant, not just from the players, but from uh, the beat writers watching this guy day in, day out. His chemistry is quickly growing with Aaron Rodgers, so maybe we do have a quick weapon that's just going to suddenly come out of nowhere for Green Bay. You mentioned Tanya coming back. The one thing early in the season – um, to maybe be concerned about for the for the Packers, Bakhtiari's health. Also, Elgin Jenkins, the right tackle, uh, tore his. I think it tore his ACL in like November. So I mean, they have. Uh, that's not easy to come back the quite as that quickly, especially for a, a big guy. So, yeah, maybe early in the year, their the offense line isn't in the shape that we've always seen this group, where we feel like they just dominate guys. Maybe they're still going to look pretty strong up the middle, and I. You know, with Aaron Rodgers, he can't manipulate or run away the same way he used to, but he still sees things quickly, still processes things well, and this offense is built to help him. Um, so, I mean, just we, we've seen them win 13 games three straight years. I, I have a hard time saying that their uh, ceiling is anything lower than that. I'll probably go up to even 14 as the absolute highest ceiling just because, um, again, they're, if they just win some more of the close games again, uh, 14 definitely seems in sight. Uh, I wouldn't predict that. I think, like you said, like a 12-5 and five season might be ultimately what I'm 
leaning towards. Uh, but nonetheless, I'd probably go with the over because I think I'm only picking one number lower at 10 as their floor. And that's obviously assuming Aaron Rodgers stays healthy. Um, that, Like you said, we can't really take into effect. Uh, teams yeah. are going to have these injuries that happen. But, yeah, still maybe maybe not like – I don't think you're really looking at the Packers as they're taking a huge step back. They still have Aaron Rodgers, still have a lot of the the core of this group, but yeah, maybe it's a little bit of a retool year. It's just a little, you know, makes a little more sense if we get to the Chiefs talking about them in terms of their quarterback is much younger than Rodgers. Maybe with someone like Aaron Rodgers, yes, they want to sustain their winning for a long term, but at the same time, how many years do you have left? I know he was just on part of my take and he, said three to four years but i it's hard to tell if he was really being if rogers was really being truthful about that or if he was just messing around so <laughs> yeah. yeah it's hard to know how many years you have left and you gotta just gotta go all in we'll see maybe sammy watkins makes a big uh is a big addition but yeah yeah i i don't know that that, that time frame we'll see like you said um it really just how everything goes around it but i think it's something we talked about before you give aaron Rodgers the benefit of the doubt and I think that's you just kind of by default you're going to do that here so yeah i think that's um i mean i'd probably go over i think that's probably yeah. the number i'd go with because the schedule as we said always matters and so um they seem to have a pretty manageable schedule from that standpoint so uh there you go that's the packers at ten and a half uh, behind them is the vikings at nine and a half and uh, minnesota another team that's um you know you look at and you feel like okay like now we kind of know maybe what to expect uh, offensively um you know we've kind of joked about it before of course dylan with um this close affiliation with the current reigning world champion los angeles rams um kevin o'connell takes over as the head coach but we also know too that uh, this probably isn't going to be a vikings team that wins a game with kirk cousins only throwing eight passes uh, or whatever it was. What is the crazy number uh, yeah. in one of those games? I, I don't think you're going to see that anymore, but uh, they still have the luxury of being able to do that because they still have they still have Dalvin Cook in the backfield, and um, he will be able to do some things to certainly take the pressure off of Cousins. But Cousins still has quite a unit there. Uh, Justin Jefferson, who I'll talk more about in a minute. Adam Thielen, we know, is still Adam Thielen. Um, he's got a lot of options there, and I think that it'll be very kind of fun to watch that passing game to see how it progresses um you know and kind of see how things unfold there for them the defense uh we know you know obviously some i mean there's georgia guys everywhere right like we always kind of talk <laughs> about uh different guys and where they're coming from uh lewis scene joins the the mix there in the secondary and um so you know there's, there's a lot of interesting pieces we know on the defense uh Zedaria smith there too with uh the the vikings now and mm-hmm. just a lot of a lot of talent to work with uh on that side of the ball so I think if you're a Vikings fan, you're optimistic here coming into the season that nine and a half number, as we said, um, you know, is one where if we go down the schedule, as mentioned, uh, they will get the the NFC East and the AFC. So, you know, you kind of take your opponents there. Um, If you look at it from a a road game standpoint, they go to Philly, um, New Orleans, Miami, uh, Washington, Detroit, Green Bay, Chicago. So not the worst gone away from home uh and then of course you will get games in there against arizona um in in minnesota you get the cowboys you get the patriots um you get the colts so you get some of your tougher games uh at u.s bank stadium there so i think that works to minnesota's favor you know another team honestly though and i just don't i'm not going to go lower than nine here i think the number set at nine and a half i think that's probably the lowest i would go for the vikings 
Um, again, as we always say, barring a, a major injury. But, I mean, upside for them, I, I'm pretty optimistic about this team. I, I like the pieces that are in place. Um, I think that Kevin O'Connell, you know, will be able to do some things that really kind of push them in the right direction uh, in terms of uh, schematically some of the things that, that they want to be able to do. Um, yeah, like I just I think offensively they will start they will continue to move in the right direction, but I think opening things up a little bit. I mean that I know we always say but like week one is week one, but that's a big opening game against the Packers at home um, because you know if you win that game it yeah. kind of sets the course for the season right and and that would be a huge win before going to Philadelphia on Monday Night Football the following week. Um, I mean, there's really the potential there if you look at their schedule. Like Vikings could get off to a hot start. Um, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go up to 12 for the Vikings. I know that that may seem high, but mm-hmm. I think that if you look at their schedule, like I feel like it's a pretty manageable schedule. So I'm gonna go nine to 12 here for the Vikings, and I'll tell you, I am gonna go over here uh, that nine and a half. I think that the schedule sets up nicely, and I, I don't, I don't even know if I'm cautiously optimistic. Like I think I'm just pretty optimistic about this Vikings team. Yeah, they have the eighth easiest schedule projected by Football Outsiders. You mentioned all the the games on there and. Uh, and all, like just overall, like you, you kind of mentioned that yeah they, they lose uh, Bar, but overall, if you look at their roster, it's it's hard to find a place where it looks like they got worse in any way. Like I, I think Jordan Hicks is going to be fine filling in there. Um, you know, corner maybe was a spot that they weren't the strongest at, but you know Patrick Peterson drafted Andrew Booth. Um, they, they also add their first round pick Lewis Cine uh, from and uh, at safety. So I mean they. They made some additions there. Maybe the defense it was already kind of starting to go back towards the middle of the road last year. I'm just excited about what the offense can do. They finished 16th in DVOA last year. I have a hard time believing that's going to happen again. I think Darisaw was fine, pretty good, and probably improve. will just continue to improve. Brian O'Neill is a really good tackle on the opposite side, and overall the in- interior of that offensive line is pretty good. Like it's it's like all right, like they have maybe a chance to not. Uh, at times, Dalvin uh, hit or miss in terms. Obviously, had some health issues as a lot of running backs do. Um, but nonetheless, I think they got a pretty decent punch with Madison behind him. Still, I mean, the team looks kind of similar in certain ways, but it, it, obviously, a fresh approach um, and different things that they're going to want to do with Kevin O'Connell. He's talked a lot about trying to uh, drop kind of a, an, a, an idea of a role for Justin Jefferson, similar to uh, Cooper Cup. Maybe he's faster, but not as strong. But I mean. He, when he was at LSU, Jefferson was asked. They had guys like Jamar Chase and some of the other receivers at LSU had. He was asked to do a lot of the things in terms of option routes, stretching the field horizontally, um, and he blocked a ton in that offense for LSU, and he's not enough, a, a fearful blocker, and I, I think he's a guy that wants to win. I, he's been so productive his first two seasons. Um, I, I, it's really hard to envision. Any, Cooper Cup is one of one, but at the same time, it's not insanely hard to envision him having a similar kind of role, and that's exciting for anyone that has drafted him or anyone that is going to draft him in fantasy and overall knows what uh, what he can do already, regardless of the... He was asked to win so many times outside last year, and it's just in an offense that might, instead of you know forcing him to do those things, maybe it makes it a little bit easier for him to get some of those touches. It's going to be really exciting to see Kirk Cousins still... You know, we talk about Kirk Cousins, and there's jokes about Kirk Cousins all the time, but he's still a good quarterback if the situation's right, if he has time and like a lot of guys, but nonetheless, he's got an accurate ball uh, and, and find the pieces and, and knows. Yeah. I'm excited to see this, just the, the way that O'Connell and him work together. And like you said, combine all that with the schedule, a defense that still should be pretty solid. Maybe short up one of their weaknesses at corner. And it's like, yeah, uh, I think for sure not, you know, 
I don't. It's just hard to imagine them uh, losing all those one-score games like they did a year ago. I mean, it wasn't even just losing; they're just playing in one-score games constantly. I feel like they're gonna still have some, and maybe they'll fall in some. But eight and nine, like they were a year ago, just seems. Uh, I'm not gonna be that pessimistic. I'll go like you said: nine wins is the floor ceiling. I'm not gonna. You know, I said 13 to 14 for the Packers. I'm not gonna say that Vikings will win 13, 14 games. I think 12. Again, I think you're right on with you on this one. I think that feels reasonable and. Uh, yeah, a team that I'm really excited uh, one to, to watch uh, and moving forward with the, the whole regime over, uh, overturn that they've had there. So it should be, uh, it's only year one of this group, but it's, I think with the pieces they have in place, they, they should expect, again, as I said at the top of the podcast, like they should expect to get to the playoffs in the NFC. They really should. Yeah, I think absolutely. Um, and yeah, I just pretty optimistic about the Vikings and we'll see what that means for us. When we make our playoff picks, um, you know, when we get to our, our Super Bowl predictions episode and all that uh, down the line. So if you're a Vikings fan, I would be optimistic. I'll, I'll leave it at that. So, uh, all right. <laughs> these next two teams, I'm not sure about how optimistic you're going to be, but um, yeah, one of these in particular I think could be more optimistic than the other, and it may not be the one you're thinking about. All right, we'll start with the Bears. The Bears are six and a half. Um, so there's quite a gap there between the Vikings and the Bears in terms of the projected win total. Um... Where to begin with the Bears? Um, I mean, look, they they are a team that I think has some some good pieces. I think there's some solid pieces there, right? And they've got a new head coach, um, and you would think it's someone who's going to come in and at least you know maybe tweak some things defensively, but you know offensively they're still a team that's we don't really know what you're going to get um and you know everyone's kind of wondering what Justin Fields looks like in year two they need him to be fantastic I think for this offense to succeed because the rest of it you know I'm high on my guy Dave Montgomery um outside of that I got a lot of questions about this Bears offense in particular Cole Komet I think could have a pretty big season he's probably a fantasy guy with target uh in that tight end group we always talk about where you could have really limited options um i like him to have a big season so i would i would definitely keep him on your radar because i think that could be a good thing or a bad thing he may be getting a lot of uh targets based on the fact that there's not a lot for them to do down the field but um that's a fantasy perspective elsewhere uh well uh, dylan we happen to be recording this at the right time because uh on defense uh, one of their players already asking for a trade uh, yep. Roquan Smith, as we're recording this, has progressed to trade, trade a few hours earlier in the day. Um, so we have no idea by the time this comes out what's going to kind of happen with that situation. Um, as you can tell, I, I don't know what to make of the Bears. I just I don't have a great feel for this team. I don't think they're going to be a great team at all. Um, I just I don't know. Like and again, I think it's just a we've reached the point with them where there's just so many more questions than answers right now. And when you look at their schedule. Um, I don't, I don't see a lot of wins. I'm just going to be honest with you. Um, they start the season with the 49ers and the Packers. I think they will be the underdog in both of those games. Yeah. Um, road games at Minnesota, New England, Dallas, uh, an improved Jets team perhaps. Got to play Buffalo. Of course, got to play the Vikings twice, the Packers twice. They got the Dolphins in there. Whew. Um, I mean, you heard all those teams in there. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know what to make of the Bears. I think their number is at six and a half. Oh, boy, Dylan, am I going to do this? I, 
Like, I mean, they got the Texans, they got the Giants, they got Washington, they got two games against the Lions. I, <laughs> I'm gonna go five here. I, I hate to say this, but I'm gonna go five as the lowest point, worst case scenario if the offense does not progress any. This is not the defense of what several years ago. No, um, yeah, they're not that dominant by any means. Worst case scenario, I'm gonna go five for the Bears. Best case scenario, if offense gets clicking, if you know the new coaching staff can work some magic on the defense and, and really bring that unit up, I'm not going to say to where they were during that dominant run, but let's say bring that unit up um, to a point to where that can win them some games too. They're forcing turnovers, scoring some points that way. I mean, I don't think the Bears are playoff teams. I, I'm actually going to cap it at I'm going to cap it at eight. I'm going to go five to eight for the Bears. Um, I just don't. I don't really see a path to this being the year for them to kind of break through. And I think the schedule for them, I don't know where, I'm sure you have the number in front of you, but I, to me, this schedule looks tougher than the schedules for the Vikings and the Packers, but I could be wrong on that. It's about, yeah, they have it similar to the Packers, but the Vikings had a much easier one than both of them, according to their projections. Um, Man, yeah, it's a team that we've, what did we say uh, on the podcast not that long ago? We were like, they're just kind of there right now. And yep. it's like, I just, they need more time. It's not completely the new regime's fault that they didn't have the some of the pieces in place already. And uh, also draft capital, just a lot of the w- things that needed to be kind of just need to wait out <laughs> to be able to have those things. Um, you still would have hoped for Justin Fields going into year two that you maybe would have made some better uh, additions for him. I mean, I like Darnell Mooney a lot. I feel like he's a good number two asking him to be your top receiver might be a lot we'll see how byron pringle does obviously and kill harry already got hurt and then they draft phyllis jones and like you said cole Komet could end up being a big part of it uh offensive line guys they've invested in haven't insane done insanely well riley reef's a decent addition but like it's not like just an overwhelmingly great unit tevin jenkins struggled last year with injuries and right now at least on the depth chart i'm looking at in our lads he's not even listed as the top uh, starter there at left tackle and might not even be able to play tackle long term so it's just things that have happened before these guys got there and then in addition to them not making uh instead of you know a lot of people thought hey they're, they're gonna go like new regime new uh, uh polls is gonna immediately find some some ways to help out fields and it just felt like instead of that they didn't panic maybe it's maybe this is the right move maybe next year will be a better time to retool there uh, but at the moment it's just it, it's tough for justin fields he's going to have to be so mentally strong to play through probably another year that's not going to be insanely productive on offense uh the only reason maybe to have optimism that this team could be over 500 so maybe i'll say nine wins is my absolute ceiling is because i think the defense can still be pretty solid you know if roquan smith gets traded that does change the equation a bit but i uh, I like some of the, the uh, defensive backs they have. Obviously, Eddie Jackson. I think Jalen Johnson uh, dealed with some, some tough matchups and has really always been up to the task. Uh, they, they draft Kyler Gordon, the second-round pick there at corner as well. Um, the off, yeah, the defense line hasn't been perfect. It's hard to imagine Robert Quinn to put up some of the numbers he has, you know, resurgence the last uh, couple of years. Um, to say that he's going to continue to do that might be tough, but I think they can still be fine there. Um so maybe nine wins if they win a lot of ugly games. It's not gonna. It's gonna be your, uh, you know, NFC North, the, the grit division, that in the AFC North in terms of maybe you see this team playing a lot of games that are you're looking at over under win or uh, point totals at like 37 going into the games, and then that's exactly what happens. They could win some games ugly. I could I could see that maybe nine wins happens, but 
you know, absolute floor, yeah, five wins. I mean, if things really went bad, I, you know, I'm not trying to – this is absolute floor. I'm not saying they're going to win four games, but I would maybe say it could get that bad um, if the yeah. offense is, like, just really bad. I mean, it's just oh, – man. I, I'll, maybe I'll be proved wrong, and I'd love to. I, I want – you know, I think the NFL is more fun when the Bears in Chicago are, have a good team. Um, but right now I just – I look at this roster, and I think it just needs more time, and I don't think that's even the fault of the current – uh, with what Ryan Poles coming in there and Eberflus, um, but yeah, there there was one uh, tidbit I did I, I saved because I was like I need to bring this up during the Bears part. I was reading uh, Greg Rosenthal yesterday had a Nuggets from training camp piece, and one of them was about the Bears and it was about uh, uh, Brian Pringle potentially not being available for Week One. And Eberflus uh, mentioned that, so there was a point there where the, with the ones in practice uh, just just a few days ago that Fields was throwing to a re- three receiver set of Chris Finke. Nisimba Webster and Isaiah Coulter. Oh, that that were those. Two, wins. <laughs> two. I was like, because uh, Inkularia has the high ankle sprain, and it's just like, oh, I'm just. The, the, obviously, there wasn't even depth to begin with. I mean, it's just, oh man, I want it. I want to be optimistic in some ways about what Fields and Komet and Mooney can do, but it's just you're asking these guys to do so much with. Uh, it, it's a, it, eleven guys in the field and. I am. I have concerns about the other eight guys on the field with them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, nothing against those guys you mentioned, but um, yeah, yeah if that's if that's what you're you're having to go with, and you're comparing that to the rest of your division and a lot of the other teams in your conference and the entire league, you're probably going to struggle a little bit um, depth wise. So I just don't. And then you, I mean, you said the word like the Bears are just there, and you never just want to be just there. Like that's that's a bad place to be. Cause you don't feel like there's a ton of optimism. But you also, I, I don't think it just completely bottomed out to the point to where you're getting like the top pick or anything. So, um, you know, at least fans can root for that perhaps. I, I don't know. But we'll see what happens with the Bears. Meanwhile, the Lions are also at six and a half. And I'm just going to tell you up front, I have more optimism for the Lions perhaps than I do the Bears. Um, and because I, I don't think the Lions are just there anymore. I think that you see some things that are in place now, you know, whether that's yeah. a, you know, a St. Brown breaking out at wide receiver um, whether that's a potential, you know, depending on what you get from the running back group with DeAndre Swift leading the way. I mean, DJ Chark's there now. You and I have been kind of high on DJ Chark before. He just played in Jacksonville, and that was kind of the problem. Uh, Jamison Williams, who is someone that obviously I think the Lions have to be thrilled to have a talent like that on their roster. How quickly everything comes together, I don't know, but I am way more intrigued by the Lions offense this year than I have been, um, you know, probably since Stafford's been there. But that, I think it – it had gotten to the point there where you're just like, it didn't matter what the lineup was. You're just thinking, okay, overall, this team's not good enough to win enough games. And I don't think that's going to be the case this year. I don't think the Lions are making the playoffs or anything. Mm-hmm. But I like the some of the, the pieces that they have to work with. And I, and I think that's something where you're adding a player like Aiden Hutchinson. Um, clearly, they were confident enough to go with him in that spot and, and feel like they got perhaps the best player in the draft, right, for so long. He was yeah. projected as the number one pick. So they get him, they get someone who was the best wide receiver in college football for, what, the majority of the season. So best offensive player, maybe best defensive player, you get both of them on your roster uh, from the college standpoint. And we know there are guys that, you know, are still kind of works in progress on that defense. But I don't know, man. I'm, I'm more optimistic about the Lions. I don't know if it's going to show up in the win total. Yeah. But um, I feel like the Lions are – in a better spot in terms of where they're headed than the bears are right now. 
Um, and gosh, I'm sorry if you're a Bears fan and you hear that because uh, we may be completely wrong. Maybe you know Everflus comes in and just completely changes everything yeah. for the Bears. I just I don't see it this season. The Lions, like we said, they may be better from a win total standpoint. Um, it's still going to be a challenge because you know they do play the games. They're they're in Minnesota. They're in New England, Dallas. Um, you know, got to play Buffalo. Got to go to or two games with Green Bay, two games with the Vikings, as we said. Two teams we're very high on. Um, so, in a way, this one's harder to predict from a win total standpoint because I think there's there's quite a range here depending on what kind of improvement you see from the Lions. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the number is six and a half. I I think I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this. How about this? I'm gonna <laughs> give Lions fans some optimism. I don't know. Actually, I'm going down this. I'm thinking. I'm struggling to get to six on this, so I'm like, I'll go five for the Lions um, as their bottom point here. Upside, I'll go eight to. I'll, I'll. St- I know it's you know. Even though I'm gonna, I'm gonna say Bears and Lions five to eight each, but like I have more optimism maybe for the Lions getting six to seven in that range maybe than I do the Bears. I, I just, I still don't necessarily know what to make of the Lions, but for some reason I feel like they had a pretty good off season and maybe that kind of rejuvenates them a little bit, even if it doesn't necessarily show up in the win total. So. Yeah. They, I mean, last year we knew that it was going to take some time. They're going to, obviously, you trade Stafford away. You have a lot of, you let Galladay, Marvin Jones, these guys walk, and it's just, you knew that it was going to be an adjustment period, and it's going to take some time. But what I think, all right, and it was all, it's kind of what we talked about in our rookie, episode, uh, co- uh, rookie head coach episode last off season talking about Dan Campbell I think he kind of nailed what we talked about which is we wanted him to make this team you know start building some sort of culture whatever that culture is even if it's a little funny at times maybe there's some funny quotes and biting kneecaps off no no quotes exactly like that but still definitely uh, sometimes I do this myself or I'll it'll be a saying and you'll just kind of mess it up slightly and there's there's a few times already with Dan Campbell on record uh, saying things that aren't actual sayings but nonetheless I mean you look at the buy-in just by the end. When they won that first game and how happy they were for Dan Campbell last year, they nearly won a number of other games. They easily could have been a six-win team last season. Um, uh, three and three in their last six, obviously. You don't want to start the season 0-10-1, but I think that the fact that you had a, a locker room and a group that looked like they were playing together and as the year went on started playing together more, and I just to be able to do that with a team that only wins three some odd games in the league that doesn't have like usually in these situations these teams even if they're a new coach and they only win a few games you still see it kind of feel like it's the same old thing and it just doesn't have that feel brad holmes also at the gm obviously they took uh got from the rams and uh i say took because i i miss him but yes in terms of this overall roster i mean now the pieces are starting to come into to play a little bit. Penne Sewell at times and pass blocking wasn't as good as run blocking, but he was an absolute mauler off, off, as right tackle uh, when, they, when they were running the football and excited to see what that unit can do again this season. Uh, it's still, it's, you know, taking some steps, but I think it's a, a decent, a pretty solid group um, uh, overall. And that was one of the strengths even last season, you, as you mentioned, bringing Jamison Williams in there, what, when he's available, what he's going to be able to do. I think Khalif Raymond and Josh Reynolds filled in nicely as role players, but 
Amon Ross St. Brown, I mean, the last four weeks, as fantasy owners know, if they look at all the target share that he was getting and how his route running ability, his separate his ability to separate in man coverage, um, same kind of stuff we we're talking about in the last episode with Matt Harmon's receiver uh, metrics and, and tracking. And he, that's one of the guys he's talked about as a person that could break out fantasy-wise just because he's getting open. The target share was only starting to get there, and everything you're hearing out of camp right now is how excited – staff is about him and how he might be utilized so I think there's a chance that he's going to become a big player in that offense and then yeah the defense uh I mean Akuda, um, another guy that you're hearing great things that he looks like a true number one corner in camp so far um obviously what Aiden Hutchinson can do from uh, a, a talent standpoint a drive standpoint a culture standpoint how he's going to drive others and how just the way that what he brings to that locker room quickly um, obviously, we'll learn maybe a bit more. Only so much they're going to show us in Hard Knocks. But nonetheless, I, you, I feel, yeah, like I said kind of also, though, it's like quarterback's still the one thing that we're not sure about with the Detroit Lions and have concerns, obviously, uh, about the, you know, what, you know, how far the ceiling can really be with Jared Goff. Um, maybe still regaining his confidence a little bit. At times, had made some pretty good throws. His game-winning touchdown in that first win, pretty solid play and read and stayed in the pocket, took a hit. And, I mean, he... He's, if things are fine, if the offensive line holds up, then yeah, maybe they will be able to put up some okay, pretty decent numbers. And it's maybe long term, he's still not the the answer to be there when the, if the Lions become a, a perennial playoff team in four or five years, however long it takes. But um, maybe it's quicker than that. I, I but I think that they're doing a good job of building the foundation of everything else, building a culture up, um, and, and taking another step forward here. I'm not maybe as optimistic, even with their schedule being projected, not like that insanely tough i think it's more in the in the lower range yeah they have 26 toughest so whatever that is sixth seventh easiest schedule um they're actually projected by football outsiders this is very narrowly because a lot of teams are really close together they have the ninth highest uh, expected wins in the nfc um at eight yeah they're, they have a higher number than the bears that's not insanely surprising but they have a higher number than a lot of afc teams that are probably better than them but they just play in the afc and have to beat up on each other so I mean, I, I'm not. I wouldn't say that eight is out of the question, but the fact they're projecting that this is a this is a statistic that usually, you know, if you're worse, it does take you back towards the middle, and vice versa. If you're really good, probably going to drag you down by the worst case scenario. So maybe eight is uh, maybe you, you could go a little higher technically, I guess, based on that projection for the ceiling. I'm not going to. I think that's. I think you nailed it again. Um, with did you say five to eight wins? I think. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly what I would say. Uh, maybe if things break right. Eight. They could win nine. I'll go. Maybe I'll go nine. I'll give them that five go. over five hundred as a absolute. I think if that happened, the, the you talk about how the hype going into the next season for the Detroit Lions, <laughs> what it would be. I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing when you have some uh, pretty good looking quarterbacks coming up in this draft. If you, you might want to be a little worse and see if you can get one of those guys, but. Um, yeah, I, I, I do have – I'm just excited the direction this team's going. I don't – it could all crater down still to, like, five wins. Um, still might be that the defense – you know, I still think it's – it might improve, but I don't think it's going to jump up to be in the top half of the league defense by any means. Still probably going to be in the 20s. Um, but maybe instead of the back half of the 20s, they're in the early – lower 20s and where they rank. And offensively, I think, yeah, they were 29th in DVLA last year. I think there's a chance they're similar. Maybe they're, like, in the 20-ish range. Um and their special teams are solid enough. One thing we didn't mention with the Packers, they do have really bad special teams. That could drag down their wins a bit, maybe one win or so. But for Detroit, yeah, it's uh it's been a it's been a while since I've been actually excited to watch Lions games. Um, but here we are. <laughs> yeah, I here we are. Yeah, so there's some optimism for the Lions and I think that's all you can ask for at this point. Um, 
if you're a Lions fan and you just want to be heading in the right direction. And I at least feel like that they have a chance to do that. So we'll see um, how that plays out. All right. There is our overview for each of these four teams. Now let's uh, quickly wrap up with our division MVP, breakout player, and fantasy MVP. And well, Dylan, as you'll see from our picks, the three of the teams in the division are going to be represented. One will not. And, well, if you've listened to our conversation on the four teams, you may have an idea of who the team could be left out of our picks here. But let's start with division MVP. Shocker, right? Um, I'm going to go Aaron Rodgers. I think you're going to go Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I think still, like we said, there are more questions perhaps with the surrounding cast, but um, still Aaron Rodgers, and I'm not saying he's Tom Brady, but it's the same situation where in terms of your, your confidence in a quarterback, um, until he proves he can't do it, I'm just going to assume that he can. And um, So, yeah, I, I'll go with Rodgers here. Although, you know, there's some other options. If the Vikings win the division, I think, I mean, heck, you could even look at Kirk Cousins, the guy who could possibly be in that conversation. Dalvin Cook, maybe Justin Jefferson. Uh, but I think Rodgers is probably the best choice. Yeah, I'm picking Rodgers as well. Picked him last. We, we both picked him last year. I found that old sheet, and I think that was a good decision given he won the league MVP again. So uh, hard to pick against a guy that has won the entire NFL's MVP two years in a row to, to not be the best player in the division. I maybe, you know, mentioned Jeff, the, how the Vikings envision Justin Jefferson's role. If he goes off and has insane, I mean, already has had insane numbers, but even more insane numbers, and the Vikings win the division, maybe him and Cousins, like you said, could make an argument, but I think uh, in terms of, we saw what the Packers looked like when they didn't have Rodgers against the Chiefs last year, and uh, yeah. I, I think in terms of how much his importance to this team and what they would be without him right now, it's, it is tough to even imagine. So, yeah, for a number of reasons, Rodgers is the pick here. Yep, I think so. Um, yeah, like I said, other people possibly, but Rodgers gets the choice here. Breakout player, a lot more to choose from, I think, in this category. Uh, but we're both going to stick with a position, and that's going to be wide receiver. Um, look, if I'm picking Aaron Rodgers to be division MVP, he's going to need some help without Devontae Adams. And I think the one guy people are pointing towards that possibility being Christian Watson, who, um, you know, someone I think as a rookie comes in and, we kind of talked about him before the draft. So people were, were very high on, you know, the possibility for what he could do. Many thought he could go in the first round, winds up going over 34 to the Packers. Um, so, you know, if you're Green Bay in that sense, maybe get a chance to feel like you got a steal. But um, I think that, you know, it seems like Aaron Rodgers feels pretty good about where Watson's at. And I think there's, you know, he's kind of talked about him a little bit. And um, so I'm, I'm willing to listen to that. And uh, so I'll, I'll go with Christian Watson. I'm not saying he's going to be Devontae Adams, but I think he'll have to he'll have to have an impactful season, and you would think Aaron Rodgers should be able to lead him to that. Yeah, absolutely. I can't. It's hard to imagine uh, too many situations, or maybe a few that you could say are on par in terms of where a receiver, the best place a receiver could end up. But I think playing for Aaron Rodgers and learning from him quickly off the bat and having a, a big role that they're already going to put in. Maybe he's more kind of of the build of, of uh, Valdez Scantling in terms of how you maybe envision what he could do. But I think he can still, as a result in that role, put up some pretty big numbers for them. So, yeah, I think that that's a, a good pick. I'm going with another another player that I think could uh, – we already kind of talked about him starting to break out, but I, I don't think it was a full breakout season. Uh, but I think there's a chance that Amon Ross, St. Brown – does end up being the player we look at this division and be like, nah, that guy's a certified stud, uh, maybe not a top, top receiver, but still uh, one of the better receivers maybe in this division by the end of it. I think he has that level of potential. I, saw, I think we started seeing it at the end of the year, and I think 
Uh, there's a good chance that they're going to start utilizing them in that way as much as possible. And yet there's more weapons there than there have been, uh, things that can open things up for uh, other guys that can open up opportunities for St. Brown to get to work and have those matchup advantages. So, yeah, may, well, maybe won't be, uh, and obviously not to take too much away from Jared Goff, but it's not like he has Aaron Rodgers throwing to him. So there, there are different things to take into account there. But I, I think by the end of it, I think this is a guy that ultimately for them is going to end up being a long-term really, really good player that – uh, you know, just one of many uh, young players that this, uh, I think they were the youngest average, uh, youngest roster last season, the Lions, by just total uh, age of the snaps and everything when you take it uh, broken down. So I think just another one of those young guys on this team to be really excited about and could end up being a fantasy factor as well. All right, speaking of fantasy, we wrap up with our fantasy division MVP. And for us, all roads lead to... Minnesota, uh, because the Vikings are going to be uh, choices, although two different Vikings uh, are our choices here. I decided to go, I don't think it's that going off the, the, the you know, the range no, here. I think yeah. that um, you're talking about two top 10 fantasy players probably heading into the season, but I know Dalvin Cook's going to be the one that gets uh, the most attention probably as a running back, but I'm all in on Justin Jefferson. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go Justin Jefferson here. Uh, you know, the hype is real. And um, sometimes we've seen that before where everybody's just so up on one guy and maybe it doesn't work out. But I think there's a good chance that it does. Um, and really, we talked about kind of that battle between Justin Jefferson and Cooper Cup, perhaps for that top spot, uh, especially fantasy-wise. I don't think there's, there's any doubt about that. Devontae Adams will have something to say about that, too. I would think Jamar Chase uh, as well, Stephon Diggs, those those kind of guys. But I just think Justin Jefferson is going to be unleashed in this offense, not that he wasn't before. We already know how good he is. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go Justin Jefferson here. I think he'll, get a, he'll have a very uh, big season. And, again, that will come with more pass attempts, I would think. So. Yeah, there's not as much, I, I think, in terms of uh, I'm going to go with Dalvin Cook, but I think your pick has less risk probably. I think that just we know what we're yeah. getting, the injuries haven't been there, and just overall his role and how he was able to beat every kind of coverage. And, I, again, as we talked about, I think they're going to use him in ways that are to give him even more opportunities to not have to work so dang hard to get open. So I think he's a great pick. I went Dalvin uh, because if he stays healthy and with this offensive line and what O'Connell was going to want to do, I could just see him having an insane year where – I think I talked about one of the previous episodes that fantasy-wise, I don't know if you have as many reliable top number one for sure running backs. There's just a few more question marks. I mean, you're looking at projections that have Leonard Fournette right in the mix with a lot of guys that maybe you thought uh, would at this point been a little more elevated. Um, still, obviously, wouldn't take him over guys like Jonathan Taylor, but it's. I think there's a chance that by the end of it, we look at Dalvin as a guy, if you pick him in the four or five, you know, even if you get him a little later, depending on who's in your draft, uh, six, seven, eight range, I think he could be like, wow, how did we not take this guy number three or number two or whatever ends up being? And that that level of value um, is why I pick him. But like you said, maybe that's a safer choice, even though I, I would say that in terms of just risk overall for one player, like I feel like you, you know with Justin Jefferson, you're going to end up having a top three, four fantasy at the very least. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, outside of Cooper Cup, I don't know if there's a receiver that you're drafting ahead of him. Um, so, yeah, I think those – Justin Jefferson is definitely a really good choice and the Vikings are a theme. I, it's just – I do think with the Packer receivers, I wonder, um, you know, Devontae Adams got so many targets inside the five-yard line and had a ton of production and touchdowns. And I don't know if you're going to – if they're going to do, be doing that. I feel like A.J. Dillon's going to end up being like they're inside the five, just bulldozer that kind of takes away the, the, the 
the, the high you know, you know scores you need to, to really boost your fantasy uh, numbers with guys like Aaron Jones, but also the, all those receivers. So that's my only – I think the Packers' offense is going to be just fine, and uh, obviously Rodgers is going to probably put up big numbers, but I think there's a chance that it's just a little more spread out than what we see in Minnesota. Yeah, well, high on the Vikings. We had some picks in here from the Packers and the Lions. Bears fans, once again, apologize. Um, <laughs> just I don't. There just wasn't a whole lot. Uh, Cole Komet, that, that's your breakout player. There you I'm in a possibility. I'll I'll give him some love as my runner-up for the breakout player, perhaps. So uh, there you go. There's our look at the NFC North heading into the 2022 NFL season. Of course, Dylan. Uh, that will not be far. By the time you're listening to this, there's going to be multiple preseason games. Like, you're going to have multiple preseason games on the schedule. Yes. Um, unreal. Like, you're not going to have to watch that Raiders-Jacks game over again, which I can imagine <laughs> anyone wants to do that. But um, should be better. I don't mean, preseason games are not great, but uh, more games to choose from, <laughs> yes. at least uh, with preseason action getting underway this week. So, uh, But for now, lots of stuff over at Clutch Points to get people ready for the start of the season. Uh, lots of fantasy stuff, uh, all kinds of stuff. So let everybody know where they can find all that. Yeah, a ton of individual fantasy player previews, first stringers in danger of losing their jobs, guys standing out in training camp. We'll have a series on uh, players that uh, impress in those first preseason games on uh, clutchpoints.com in the NFL section. You can also uh, find those articles in the NFL section of the Clutch Points app and follow all the preseason games, eventually the regular season. Um, but, yeah, by the, again, yeah, by the time you're listening to this, a lot of those games will be on the schedule for that day. On th- it should be on Thursday. So, yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Hopefully we get a little better, like you mentioned, play than Jags, Raiders. I don't. I want to anticipate, you know, overwhelmingly better play. But usually this time of year, yeah. it, just remember, offenses. It's almost like it's almost like in baseball where the the pitchers are always ahead and in, in spring training early on ahead of the hitters. Maybe defenses are a little ahead of offense. So if it's a little sluggish, just just be a little patient. Yeah, it'll be fun when we get to week one. Be patient. Uh, that's all you have to do. Um, yeah. So that's uh, hopefully things will head in the right direction for your team. Uh, but preseason may not be the best job for that. So uh, check everything out at Clutch Points, uh, as Dylan mentioned. And as always, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Any podcast app you use, search for Stop the Past. And uh, thanks as always for listening to the podcast. And we'll talk to you next time. You're off. You're the Past.